Hello, friends. I'm Alan Kirshner from Eschatos Ministries. As a Christian, you can't help but hear the news and watch the turmoil of our day and know that the return of Christ is nearing. Bible Prophecy Daily is committed to the daily feeding of God's people to make overcomers. But there is a material cost to this global outreach. Please consider committing to giving to Eschatos Ministries on a monthly basis. You can easily do so by clicking the support button in the corner at the podcast website at BibleProphecyDaily.com. We appreciate you and pray that God will bless and strengthen you. Thank you. You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy Daily. I'm your host this go-around, Jake McCandless, and I am an author and speaker for a ministry called Stand Firm, where we're helping believers navigate such a time as this, and it truly is such a time as this. I think we're all thinking that, period, but after the events of October 7th and what's unfolded in the last several weeks, this is the first time I've had a chance to record an episode for us to hang out together with since those events happened. And so I think probably we're all gathering heavy-hearted, but also glued to what's going on. In today's episode, of course, as you probably expected, we're going to talk about Israel. We're going to talk about the events beginning October 7th when Hamas uh, came into Israel with those attacked. I'm not sure the most recent numbers, seen numbers up to 1,400 that were killed there. And of course, by the time this airs, it's no telling what other nations have thrown their names in the ring, their armies in the ring, and what's happening and where things are headed. But I want to talk about that. But I want to talk about just the events that we've seen so far, how that they're a microcosm of the end of the age. And I think it's very important that we take events like this. And when I say that, I don't want to downplay what's happening. The lives that have been lost (laughs) extremely matter. This is a very real deal. This isn't just armchair, quarterback, prophecy, teacher, watchman, entertainment. This is real world, real life tragedy. But I believe as we look at these events, they're a foreshadow of still what is yet to come. So I'm sure as students of prophecy, fellow watchmen and watchwomen, your eyes have also been glued to what's been going on in Israel since October 7th. And rightfully so, right? Because the Middle East, especially Israel, especially Jerusalem, is center stage. And so when we see action happening on center stage, it grabs our attention, as it should. Now, I know each host, undoubtedly you, we all have some differing views on aspects of the end of the age. And probably one of the biggest difference area that I see among the host and among uh, just conversations with uh, many of you 
is the identity, the location of origin of the Antichrist and his coalition of nations. But regardless of where you fall on that, it's a really hard press to create any other end-time, end-of-the-age scenario biblically without Israel, without Jerusalem. It surely is center stage. So we can't help but look. Now, I and, and probably many of you do not believe this is the end because I believe there's events laid out within Scripture that need to happen, and they happen in such and such order. Of course, Daniel 9, uh, 27, Daniel 11, very important in understanding those, those events. But I do believe what we're seeing is a microcosm of that end-of-the-age events. I believe it's important to take in and to filter between the Word and the Spirit. Now, I have been doing a series for several episodes uh, talking about prophetic lessons that we can learn from COVID-19. I'm not done, by the way. I don't know if you've you've caught one of those episodes. I said I've got 50 uh, different lessons we could have. I'm not going to share them all. Uh, I've shared a big chunk of them already. But I've talked about how that we can look back at COVID-19 as, I believe, a warning a shot across the bow. And so as watchmen, as watchwomen, as people who are tracking these things, and I believe charged to help others see these things, we can learn from how things unfolded, how the world reacted, but also about us. What did we do or not do? What should we do differently? And again, I don't want to downplay the current conflict, but I believe we should realistically look at the things that are happening, genuinely care about the events that are happening, but also realize, okay, if this was at a greater scale like we see at the end of the age, what could it be like? But we can learn from it. The world needs to learn from it. Unfortunately, Israel needs to learn from it. For God is the master at providing warnings and foreshadowings. He's done it all throughout scripture. He's done it throughout history. As painful and tragic as this is, I talk about it being a microcosm and a warning. In many ways, it's extending mercy and warnings to what's to come. Now, I'll come back to this and what I mean by that, but just a quick look at the Babylonian deportations. You know, we look at 586, 587, when the Babylonians came in, held you know Jerusalem under siege, they attacked, they came in, they captured the city, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and carried many uh, Jews back to Babylon. And then those 70 years of captivity. But if you look and get a bigger picture of what was going on there, it unfolded over a 60-year span. You had smaller deportations leading up to that ultimate uh, conquest of Jerusalem. And then you got prophets like Jeremiah, who's right there in the, the midst of it, telling the people that this is going to happen. And if they would turn to the Lord, humble themselves, he would restore them. Seemingly until the last minute, Jeremiah is preaching repentance, the opportunity to stop this tragic thing from happening and I think that stretch of 60 years, that those different deportations, those little 
those microcosms of what ultimately happened really should help us look at what's going on now. I said a microcosm of the end of the age. So several episodes back, I did an episode uh, talking about the one image, one end time image for the mind that I believe if you see this one thing, if you burn this one image in your mind, then you will not only know what will happen, but the events that are going to lead up to it. It shows us what's important to track with and look for. And I talked about it being a picture built over multiple passages. Luke 21, 20. Jesus says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. So Hamas, Hezbollah, if they surround Jerusalem, is that this? No, because it's in a list of events and and, uh, signs that are going to happen. This is just one of those needing to be graphed at the same time and intersecting with those others. But Jesus wasn't telling anything new. It's the same type of thing Zechariah talked about, Zechariah 14. We see this in Psalm 2. We see this in Psalm 83. We see this in Psalm 110. We see this in Ezekiel 38. We see this in Revelation 16. We see this in Revelation 19 through 20. We see this picture. And it's exactly what Jesus said there in Luke 21. We're going to see armies coming against Israel. And so that final end time picture is the Antichrist, the armies he gathered, his coalition of nations and other armies coming against Jerusalem. That's the picture described through all those passages. Now, I know probably several listening, when you hear Ezekiel 38 attached to Armageddon, you're like, whoa, back up, Jake. Um, But I just want to say, hermeneutically, if I was dealing with any other topic within Scripture, if the Bible continues to talk about the same event, in this case, a battle, an ultimate battle at the end of the age, I'm going to assume every time it's mentioned, it's talking about that one time. Because what tends to happen with Ezekiel 38 Psalm 83 is they often get pushed as other wars leading up to the big one. I do not see, now I definitely see from Daniel 11 and other places, there are conflicts leading up to that ultimate battle, ultimate war. But I I do not see them as talking about different battles. I believe hermeneutically we should assume they're talking about the final battle unless they otherwise clearly say that they don't. And while I'm on that subject, I one of the things that I'm beginning to, I guess, formulate in my hermeneutics is I want to interpret the Bible where there's less blood on my hands. I, I want to put the blood on the Lord's hands. That sounds really terrible coming out. But I'm going to go with the most straightforward reading in Scripture because... I don't want it to be wrong because of my opinion I put in there. And so I think hermeneutically the right thing is to assume they're all talking about the same battle. And, and, and just if, if you hold Ezekiel 38 to a different time, Psalm 83 to a different time, I encourage you to just ask the question, scripturally, why do you say this is different? Because what tends to happen is, depending on where we have the Antichrist coming from, is when we put these battles. You know, so if, because... 
Ezekiel 38 lays out these Middle Eastern, Northern African nations, Muslim nations. So if you have a European Antichrist, American Antichrist, then obviously you're going to need to make that a earlier war than the final war. But I, I just ask you to make your, look at your argument scripturally. Why would one of these battles or wars be at a different time? Now, again, I truly believe Scripture lays out there's going to be multiple conflicts, multiple wars. But I believe he's talking about one ultimate campaign against Israel. We've all those passages are talking about the same thing. Of course, Ezekiel uh, 38 and then Psalm 83 gives us a list of nations using these names from the past, but territories that correlate to modern nations today. And so that image that we have through all those passages is centered in the Middle East, Israel, especially Jerusalem, and the armies of the Antichrist and those gathered with them coming against Jerusalem for this final assault. And then it's there. Jesus returns and saves his people. Now, you know, that's very overly simplified. It's a three and a half year campaign that I'm just boiling down to one image. But think about it. If you have that one image in your mind, think about the things that you know that are going to happen. You know, regarding Israel, Jews have to be back in the land, which is something that has happened right before our eyes. You know, that couldn't have been a topic before, you know, the early 1900s, especially getting into, you know, following World War II. It wasn't till 2007 that there were more Jews in Israel than any other one place in the world. It's happening right before our eyes. There has to be a Jewish state. Jerusalem has to be controlled by a Jewish state. Those things have to happen. So we know the trajectory of these things. And then, of course, also you, you know that the Antichrist has to rise up and armies have to come alongside him and those things. But we're focused on Israel. But that scene of Jerusalem encircled, it's nothing new. In Hezekiah's day, we see it happen with the Syrians. As I already mentioned, we see it happen with the Babylonians. We see it happen with the Romans in history. It's a scene that has repeated itself over and over again. And notice, as has been said, it requires Israel to be there continually to show God has a continued plan with Israel. But I ask you to get that one image, to picture that image, and then think in the terms of the conflict that we saw. So we saw Hamas. We say small terrorist group. Their, their size ranges from 15,000 to 40,000. They say 40,000. That number's dwindling by the day. But that's not just an amazingly small force. But they're not a nation's standing army. They, yes, they, they seem to have, they have uh, other nations backing them financially, but they're not a formidable national army, as we see in the other nations. But think about what happened. And I believe we should look at this as foreshadowing of that final scene. That final scene of nations invading Israel. A scene that's repeated itself through history. It's been at least three times we've seen nations invading Israel, moving to take Jerusalem, ultimately taking the temple and being hell-bent 
on killing Jews. That's the same thing we're seeing in Hamas, just on a smaller level. But I think also we can see how the whole world can get caught up in just a regional battle. You know, and I I know you agree with me, most of the end-time movies out there have just made a mess of understanding the Antichrist, understanding the scriptural events that are going to happen. The Bible really is describing a regional conflict that engulfs the whole world, which sounds wild, but we've already seen that two times, right? The movie's repeated itself, World War I, World War II, but more than any of those times, we see it in this current conflict in Israel. The world is on fire, drawing up sides. You've got nations aligning with Hamas, Hezbollah. You've got nations lining up with Israel. Then you've got people around the world. It's the unfolding of Zechariah 12, where the prophet says Jerusalem will be a stumbling block for the nations. It says all who try to lift them will hurt themselves, that it will be a cup of staggering or drunkenness for the nations. I don't think of a that there could have been a phrase to better describe what's going on. Now, we saw the world take notice when Russia invaded the Ukraine, right? But did, does it compare anywhere close to what we're seeing with the Israeli conflict. Think about that. Think of what we've seen so far, and we're talking about basically a terrorist group, a large one, but a really underarmed terrorist group from a little sliver of land attacking Israel. And it set the whole world on fire. Now, we, again, we see this unfolding of the nations. I mentioned Ezekiel 38. It lists the nations that lead out. It talks about other nations being with it. But it also within the passage, it seems to talk about nations that are, remain neutral. It talks about nations that just seem to let it happen. Then we get into Daniel 11, and it talks about, it brings them these Western nations that come against the Antichrist, the ships of Kittenham. And then who really basically just step back and let this final assault on Israel happen. We can see it. And so I want us to be careful to begin to not attach and and see the things that are going on and say, okay, this is the end. These are the final things. But rather say, okay, Scripture talks about it being on a larger scale, but this is the type of thing that we can see. It said, Saying one image, that one picture, that's oversimplified. Because we're talking about a three and a half year campaign. Again, as Zechariah addresses it, Zechariah 14, we read, I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured. The house is ransacked. The women raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Now, Listen to that passage. It talks about the nations coming against Jerusalem. But then it says the city captured, the houses ransacked, the women raped, half of the city gone into exile. What's wild is you couldn't have summarized the events that happened 
in this recent conflict any better than Zechariah did. As Hamas went basically door to door, two homes, ransacked homes, took women, raped women, killed women, and took hostages. We were reading this scripture loud, and my daughter heard this, and she said, that's exactly what the news is saying, Dad. It is. Joel 3 also mentioned something along these lines. It says, I will gather all the nations. I will put them on trial for what they did to my people Israel because they scattered my people among the nations, divided my land. They cast lots for my people, traded boys for prostitutes, and sold the girls for wine to drink. Again, talking about taking kids, selling kids, raping kids. Very similar to the events that we've seen. But as I said, this is just foreshadowing. Why would I say that? Because Zechariah gives numbers. And, and this is really, I want to be careful because I, I don't want to downplay anything that's happened. But one, I, I want to show, okay, we're, this isn't the end yet, but I want us to see why this really is a microcosm of the end. I said Zechariah 14, Joel 3 nailed the description of what happened, but Zechariah 13 talks about at this time that two-thirds of the Jews in Israel will be killed. Two-thirds. Now think of the horrific loss that we've seen just in this current conflict. Again, I don't know the most current numbers. Last I saw was 1,400. Think of that number of hostages. I mean, horrific but two-thirds in the land currently would mean five million. I want to say that soberly. I I don't want us to miss just the human tragedy this is. But think of what we saw. And I, I can't even do the math, but... 1,400 compared to 5 million. That's right now. And that's just in the land of Israel. I would say it would extend beyond the land of Israel. Zechariah 12, we also see more details as well as it begins to talk about the actual city of Jerusalem. And talking about half of the city taken away. Several hundred thousand, if that was to happen today. So we see those horrific images, especially civilians, women, children, targeted, as Zacharias said. But what happened, the hands of Hamas. It's just a just a blip compared to how Zechariah lays out the things that will happen. And that's what Zechariah says about the land of Israel. Now, one of the things that really actually shocked me um, was not that this, this happened, but the results of it. But when we look at Hamas declaring that Muslims around the world rise up and have a day of jihad, a day of rage. Now, there were a couple incidents where people were killed. 
I expected a lot more. I'm glad there wasn't. Actually shocked that there wasn't. But think about the amount of Muslims spread across the world. Think about the amount of supporters of Hamas now, but Islam and Muslims around the world. What if someone said, okay, today's the day. And the billion and a half Muslims around the world carried out a day of jihad. You know, again, end time movies have, have so screwed up our views of, of the reality of the end of the age. But when we talk about how can there be such universal persecution, that right there. A day of jihad. Think of the impact on Jews, Jewish supporters, Zionists, and Christians being attacked and killed. This add to this the possibility if the Antichrist is from the Middle East, is from a revived Ottoman Empire, is an Islamic Antichrist, is maybe recognized as their Messiah, their Mahdi. Think of the added influence that has on a day of jihad. And then you just add to it just the the ignorance around. I mean, because you're not talking. If, if that was to happen and, and you were truly to have that day of rage like it could be, especially at the hands of a, the possibly one they view as the, the Messiah, the Mahdi, think about college campuses. Think about the reaction. And I believe you add on top of that that one thing we see throughout history is that bloodshed breeds bloodshed, right? You think of World War II. You know, you've got conflict in Europe. You've got, you know, the conflict in, in the Pacific. And, you know, world's at war. Why not drop some bombs on Pearl Harbor, right? It just seems to, like if there's one, you know, battle or, or war going on, it just... Why not do it elsewhere? And I, I think that's where you, you see things like, hey, the world's at war in the Middle East. China's like, hey, it's a good time to take Taiwan. We don't want to miss out on the action. And see that around the world. That's one of the things that constantly comes up, especially in modern history, is bloodshed breeds more bloodshed. Do you see how the current event is a microcosm? Again, I don't want to downplay what's happened. My heart has been broken. I had the chance to be in Israel uh, this summer, man, praying for people by name, and it's been a hard thing to see. But when we look at what the prophets, especially Zechariah, says about the end, man, this is just a small picture. The foreshadowing is incredible. You know, I, I'm an author. I pretty much write nonfiction, write some children's stuff. But it takes some very skilled authoring to do such foreshadowing as the Lord does. So think about the real world situation here. 
We've seen how one terrorist group in Hamas set the world on fire. What if it's a figure that has rose to power, deceived the nations, that is seen as a Messiah figure, and he's rallied the Muslim world, or at least part of it, together? And other people are lining up with him, and he's coming to make this final onslaught of Jerusalem. There's no allies standing with Israel at this time. It's already been this long campaign, this three-and-a-half-year campaign. He's called for jihad around the world. And then that bloodshed just breeds more bloodshed. That chaos breeds more chaos. And I think that's the political human element at the end of the age. And that's not even getting into some of the things that are going to happen in the you know the natural disasters and all those things, the famines, the diseases, all those things. I hope you can get a glimpse into the realistic storm that the end of the age is because we tend to talk about it in terms that they don't even fit the real world, but we've seen a little bit of what that could be. But I want to challenge you as you look at this as a microcosm, let us make sure that we line up on the right side, no matter the cost. And, and I believe there's no debating on what the right side for a, a believer is. The Lord is a Zionist, Psalm 110. Jesus will rule the promised messianic kingdom out of Jerusalem. Now, God will bring that to pass. He's the one that's going to bring it. But I'm telling you, I don't want to be on the opposite side cheering for the other team. And it's a real struggle, I think, to really understand. In my next episode, I'm going to talk about our relationship with the church in Israel. But I think it's difficult to understand, okay, God's still got a continued plan for Israel. Uh, we're grafted in. But he's brought them back but there's not the full restoration until he comes. But I think we can look back at the history of Israel in the Bible, especially the book of Judges, where you know, people always talk about the cycle, this cycle of walking with the Lord, turning from him, going through chastisement and punishment, repenting, returning, and coming back. And you've got this cycle that just repeats itself uh, down through Judges and throughout the whole Old Testament. But that cycle is still happening today. Israel's in that cycle, ultimately, of chastisement. Now, God has shown his goodness. He's shown his grace. He's shown his mercy. But he tells us how this cycle is going to wrap up. And so I think we have to look at ourselves as the Canaanites, as Joshua was marching through the land. Okay, maybe they're in a time of disobedience. But I still don't want to come on the other side of Yahweh, right? I want to be a Rahab. I want to be a Ruth that recognizes this is the people of God. This is God's plan. Maybe they are estranged at the moment, but I don't want to take another stand. And so I believe it's important that we take the right side, no matter what the cost, that right side is to be an Zionist. 
And I think we have to also understand, we, I, of course, my heart is how can we stand firm? Standing firm is far more than boldness and grit. It's also knowing the truth. And I believe, and I look forward to doing more episodes on this, but I believe it's very important as we talk about us standing firm and being on the right side. I think we go to Joel 3, we go to Matthew 25, and we see how we care, how we treat Israel matters. And part of standing firm is to know this and to stay on that right side. So stand firm, not just in boldness, not just in grit, but also in truth. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 